and the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. One of the themes I've talked about over the last several years has been gratitude. Gratitude as a basis for our life of faith rather than trying to uh, live in fear or of what God might do or trying to get into heaven, uh, being grateful for what God has already done. And these readings that we listen to today, especially the Jeremiah passage and the Luke passage, are about gratitude. Well, the Jeremiah is, is a split. So the Jeremiah one is really, uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting reading, I think. Because these people are in exile. They have been taken far from home and will be grieving the loss of the temple, of Jerusalem, of their lives, their status. Many of them were in positions of power. Uh, they were artisans. And suddenly here they are in Babylon, no longer at the top of the tree, the artisans still being used, uh, and having to live a new life under new masters leaving behind all that they had known in the strange new place. And in this place, God instructs them to work for the benefit of those who had captured them and had taken them far away. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Instead of living lives of grief, and dwindling away, they are told to marry and to build houses and to uh, grow in that place, to anchor down deep roots in that place, to be part of that place, not to lose their identity, but to flourish. And underneath all of that, I think there's an element of gratitude. Gratitude that actually even in this place, they can still be the people of God. Gratitude is a much clearer theme in the gospel, in the in the story from Luke's gospel, and uh, it's often used as a story about being grateful. The one grateful leper, the nine ungrateful. So I think it's a harsh and simple reading of the story. It's a really interesting story as well because, well, there's just so many layers to it. There's so much going on. There's so many different ways that you can enter into the story. At one level, it's just really interesting that Luke uses Samaritans to teach how one is supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and to love your neighbour as yourself. So in this story, we have a Samaritan, a Samaritan who teaches what it is to love the Lord your God for your heart and soul and mind. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, well, a Samaritan again. A Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans, well, they're siblings. And there is intense sibling rivalry. They don't get on. And at times, this rivalry erupts into violence. The Jews, the Samaritans, are, well, Impure. They are the remnant of the ten tribes left behind when Assyria is swept down. And Assyria had this policy of just mixing all the people groups up. They didn't want little clumps of Jews in one place and other 
people in another place in Titus and another place in Babylonians and another place in, and so on. They wanted just one people group and their empires. So they were moving people around and mixing people up. And these people intermarried with the, with the Jews who were left in the northern kingdom. So they were of impure blood. But still these people saw themselves uh, as the true people. They had held the five books of the Mosaic Law. That was all their Bible was. And they had all this other literature that the people down south did. And they loathed and detested each other. Mostly they just kind of lived side by side. And every now and again they have a little fight. And Jesus uses, well, Luke uses Samaritans both to teach how to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and in the parable of the Samaritan. Not only who is your neighbour that you are to love, but who is your neighbour that might love you? Are you willing to accept your neighbour's love if they are someone you despise? But it's also a story about gratitude. One of the uh, people I read when I prepare for sermons is Caroline Lewis. Uh, she's a uh, professor at um, uh, Luther Seminary, somewhere in the United States, uh, and, and uh, she works on a thing called Working Preacher. And she talks about how this story gives us a way of understanding biblical and theological gratitude as opposed to just being thankful. So most of the time we see this as a story about being thankful. And she says, this isn't a story about being thankful. Thankful is something that I would teach my sons to do when somebody gave them a present. I would always make sure after all their birthdays and after all every Christmas that they wrote down and wrote thank you notes to everyone who gave them presents. She said, that's important, that's a good life lesson, but it's not what's going on here. This is not about being thankful, this is about living gratitude. And she said, this story gives us a way of getting into living gratitude and, and kind of thinking about it for ourselves. And so she kind of steps out the five steps that happen in the story. Very cool slide at this point with nifty little arrows and five sets of words on it. And I have no idea why it's not there. Now, my thoughts, the ad hoc is what God said. Uh, so, the first word is awareness and attentiveness. And uh, so, all of, the, all of the disciples, all of the disciples, all of the, they're not really there because they're just people with skin diseases. They're kind of skin disease and leprosy as we know of today, it was a different kind of skin disease. All of them would have noticed that they had been healed. The other nine, and it's assumed that they were Jews, because the one who came back was identified as a Samaritan, did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and they did exactly what the Mosaic law tells them to do, which is to go to the temple, to see the priests, to offer the prescribed sacrifices, and to be declared clean so that they can 
and once again resume their normal lives. But one of them, the Samaritan, who, by the way, was not going to Jerusalem and was not going to those priests, he was going to his own priests and his own temple in Samaria. So, never think he was going down to Jerusalem. He sees something different from the others. And Caroline says, he becomes aware of how God sees him. So here is this person who is living outside, outside of his family, outside of the communities. He's living with people who normally he would not associate with. Nine other lepers, nine other people with skin diseases, also ostracized, also basically declared dead. And they are living in this borderland between Samaria and Galilee. This no man's land. They are no one. They are people who God clearly thinks are great sinners and despise. And yet in this moment he sees actually that's not true. He sees himself through God's eyes as somebody of great value, of great worth. So worthy that he has been healed. And he returns back to the source of the healing, which is the second thing, turning back. So turning back isn't going back to how life was before. That's what the other nine people with skin diseases did. They went back down to the Jerusalem so that they could return to their lives that they had had before they got the skin disease. The one who doesn't do that is not going back to how life was before. To do that, he needs to go and see his priests. Instead, he turns back to God. And he lets go of all the things that had defined him up to that point and begins to embrace a new identity as someone who is loved by God. And out of that, he then praises God. He doesn't come back and say thank you. He comes back and praises God for all his worth. Because God is the source of the healing. But he doesn't just thank God for the fact that he has been healed. He also thanks God for who God is. He has a deeper understanding of who God is through this experience. And then, then he gives thanks. So giving thanks isn't the starting point. It comes out of being aware, attentive, turning back and giving praise to God for who God is. Out of that, he gives thanks. Not so much that he's been healed, although I'm pretty sure he was grateful for that, but for who God is. And then Jesus tells him to go on his way. And that means... You can't keep this to yourself. You actually have to share what this is all about. You have to invite others to be as aware, to be as attentive, so that they can go on this journey as well. And as you do that, you too will become more aware. And that whole journey will continue. So it's a cycle that just keeps cycling around, inviting people in. Living gratitude. As I thought about that, I thought about um, the hymn, that we sang from John Newton, the slaver. 
And so he became aware of who he was, a slaver. And he became aware that the people he saw as modesty, as a way of making money, were actually people, not slaves, but people. And he was convicted of his sin, and he turned back. That means he gave up his identity as a slaver, as a slave captain. And he praised God for who God was. In him, how great thou art. And he was grateful for that. And then he worked really hard to help others see the sin of slavery. The same cycle. Out of gratitude. A life of gratitude isn't one of just saying thank you. It's actually a life of changing the world. On Tuesday, we remembered St. Francis of Assisi, and we also marked the end of the season of creation. And as I thought about Francis, I thought, well, I wonder if we could apply this cycle to him as well. So Francis was Playboy, the son of a rich cloth merchant of this brand new thing called middle class. It's a kind of new invention of the 11 and 1200s. People who weren't landed gentry suddenly were able to make lots of money, in this case, through selling cloth. And they were able to live very comfortable lives. And Francis, he benefited from that. And he was a bit of a lad. But he also wanted to be a crusading knight. His father wanted to be a cloth merchant. He was the son of Pietro Bernardoni. But on his first foray to be a crusading knight, joining the militia of Assisi, fighting their mortal enemies, Perugia, across the valley, uh, they lost and he was captured and he spent a year in a Perugian jail. And during that time, he was awakened. Awakened to who he was and who God was. And when he was led out, he spent time in the countryside praying, he spent time in little ruined churches like San Damiano and San Pedro, praying, and he became aware of God's goodness and God's love for him and all creation. And so he turned back. He gave up all those things that had defined him up to that point. He no longer wanted to be a playboy. He gave up that life. His friends couldn't understand it. He had one more go up being a crusading knight, but on the first night he had a dream, and uh, Jesus said to him, do you want to follow me? And he replied, yes, of course I do, Master. And then he said, so why are you riding off to war, following the false master? Return home and follow me. So he gave the poor knight, he was with all his flash armor that his father had bought him, and he returned home. A coward in disgrace, giving up all of that identity. Gave up wanting to get pot merchants. Gave up being the son of Pietro Bernardoni in front of the whole town on the piazza of the Cathedral of San Rufino in front of his father and the bishop returning all his clothes and saying, I am no longer your son. In future, I will only call God in heaven my father. Decisive moment. 
And from that point on, he became God's troubadour, God's fool, singing praises to God. And he sang praises, and he praised God in ways that most of us never even think about. O Lord Most High, omnipotent, good Lord. I mean, he would just start things like that. How, when we start our prayers, what do we start with? Our Father. There we are. That's it. And Francis would go on praising God for who God was. So one of the things I couldn't do at 8 o'clock because I didn't have my notes with me was the things you miss out. One of the things he wrote about God, you are love and charity, you are wisdom, you are humility, you are patience, you are beauty, you are sweetness, you are safety, you are rest, you are joy, you are our hope and our delight, you are justice and you are moderation, you are all our wealth and riches overflowing. Francis knew how to praise God. And out of that sense of praising God, he lived a life of gratitude. Gratitude for who God was and the world that he had was placed in. And he gave thanks that all creation and all people were his brother and his sister. And he set out what was his to do, which was simply to live a life of gratitude. He lived his life going on his way, praying that Christ could show his brothers what was theirs to do, so that they too could go on their way. And all the time he spent in prayer, with some of the most despised people in society, the lepers. His meeting of the leper was one of those moments where he, his eyes were opened. He became aware, not only of who he was, but also of who the leper was. He saw the crucified and risen Christ in lepers. He went off to the crusades in the end, not to fight, but because the sultan and the Muslims were his brothers. And he saw the crucified and risen Christ in them as well. He went to live gratitude to bring peace. So I wonder then about us. What are the things we are being invited to be aware of, to pay attention to? What are we being invited to turn back from out of that? Who is the God that we are invited to praise? And how does that help us live lives of gratitude? And in light of that, what does it mean for us to go in our way? The 4th of October was also the end of the season of creation, as I said. And uh, so we are under quite a song now. Um, and uh, Brother, Son and Sister Moon has been set to music. I think it's what we actually intended to sing for the opening hymn. All creatures of our God and King, which is very long, and I never let us chop it because I say, 
Well, if you don't want to sing all the verses, don't sing a poem by St. Francis of Assisi. You either sing the whole poem or you don't. I don't care if you choose. So we chose to sing Palm Sunday song, so that was weird, but never mind. We'll pay more attention to that in the future. Um, so, just as an aside, that is a very important thing because it is the first piece of poetry written in Italian, not in Latin. So, all poetry written around that time was written in Latin, and Francis wrote in Italian. So, uh, here's the first Italian poet for Brother Sun Sister Moon. Uh, there is a group called Portiscate, and they've worked on that. They've taken all preachers of our God and King, and they've written to all preachers for the uh, So, as we finish this time of season, of season of creation, as we think about our own walking a life of gratitude, I'm going to play the song and I invite you to think about all of these things.
Oh